Welcome to New City Sermon Podcast. Join us as we open God's Word to be empowered and challenged today. Hey, New City, I am so excited for this morning because we have a special treat. Uh, We are celebrating the Ascension this week, the Ascension of Jesus. And rather than me preaching a sermon today, I wanted to bring on some special guests uh, to have a discussion about the Ascension with. I've got with me today uh, Pastor Ian Thomas, who is a pastor of the King's Church Lakeland. You'll remember that the King's Church Lakeland came down and spent a weekend with us last fall. And uh, I've been up there to be part of what they're doing and preach on a Sunday. We've loved having a relationship with Ian and the King's Church. So, Ian, I'm so glad you're here, man. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, man. I'm glad to be here, and uh, we love New City Fellowship, man. Excited to be a part of this. Amen. We also have Pastor Winston Miller with us. Winston is a church planner in Lauder Hill. He's been to preach for us several times. We always enjoy when he comes, so I wanted to ask him to be part of this discussion as well. Winston, I'm so glad you're here, man. Thanks for being with us. Well, it's my pleasure. It's a very distinct pleasure to be on with you and Ian, and uh, I as well, and we as well. Our family loves New City Fellowship, so can't wait to gather with you guys again. Amen. Well, we will be praying for both of your churches. I know uh, you both have particular challenges as Ian, you, your church meets in a school, and Winston, you're still in the gathering and development stage, but we will uh, ask our folks to pray for the King's Church and Grace Life Church in the coming weeks as you guys have um, a lot of wrestles and challenges ahead. But uh, one of the things that really helps us in the midst of these things is hope. Hope in God, and not just a general hope, but a hope specifically in who Jesus is and what he's done. And one of the events that is often overlooked in the Bible is the event of the ascension. When Jesus came from heaven to earth, we call that the incarnation. It's what we celebrate at Advent and Christmas. When Jesus died on the cross, we call that the crucifixion. Um, It's when our sins were forgiven. And and, then two, three days later, when he came out of the tomb and he was risen, we celebrate the resurrection. But we don't often talk about the ascension, but it is a crucial biblical concept. Ian, um, how would you define the ascension to someone who doesn't know anything about it? Yeah, it's a great starting point. I think maybe I would begin by saying, you know, the events that you just described, Jesus's incarnation, his death on the cross, and then his resurrection three days later is followed up, according to the scriptures, uh, by 40 days where Jesus is on earth in his resurrected state that concludes with this um, ascension to heaven. And the language that the Bible uses is, it really invokes, I think, the imagery of glory, that Jesus is going back to glory. He sort of rides on this cloud in the book of Acts, and he uh, goes back to uh, the realm of heaven, uh, where he's seated at the right hand of the Father. Amen. Winston, what would you add to that? How would you describe the ascension? Yeah, I would just add to that the the idea that um, Jesus comes to earth is also known as his humiliation. The fact that he was with with God in glory prior to coming to earth. And so in his incarnation, 
he condescends to men and that's known as his humiliation right up until the uh, crucifixion and then after the crucifixion, the resurrection until he returns again is known as his exaltation, right? So the fact that he's going to uh, ascend back up to heaven, back to eternal glory, whereas Ian says he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, we find out that he, from the word of God, that he's also interceding for us. Um, so it's, 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 I think, essential to know that he came from glory, going back to glory. And because he came from glory, it was necessary, essential for him to go back to glory in this ascension. And it means so much for us that he did so. Amen. That's so good. Dr. Tim Keller has really helped me just in listening to him teach on this. And he talks about the ascension, not just being an ascension from earth to heaven, but also the ascension to a throne in power. And when we look at the Great Commission, um, you know, we, we forget to see some of the ascension themes in that. Jesus says in Matthew 28, 18, um, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And he's talking about his coronation as a king who sits at the right hand of God in power. And so in the Ascension, we are talking about him sort of going from one realm to another, but we're also talking about his enthronement as king. Um, you know, those are powerful topics, but I'll have to admit, when I came out of seminary, I wasn't as clear on the Ascension, nor do I recall ever being taught uh, about the Ascension or hearing a sermon on the Ascension. Why do you think the church has not necessarily focused or taught as much on the ascension. Yeah, I think um, you bring up a good point there because so often, even in my own presentations of the gospel or describing the story of the Bible, you know, we're really big to talk about Jesus's life, his death, and then his resurrection. And then it's like we skip ahead. To, oh yeah, and he's coming back again one day. But we jump right over uh, this really important doctrine that you bring up the the ascension. I think part of the reason why is you know there's there's some weirdness about it. I mean, even when you ask me to describe it to, you know, somebody that doesn't know the Bible, I mean, you know, the idea of Jesus and his resurrected body riding up on a cloud to this unknown realm, there's some weirdness about that, right? We sometimes don't know what to do with that. Uh, but I can't help but wonder, too, if there's maybe a deeper issue that, you know, the ascension means that Jesus is no longer bodily here on earth. And it's the moment where he leaves uh, his people, he leaves this realm to go back to, you know, heaven to be seated at the right hand of the Father. And I wonder if there's not something within us that is a little sometimes confused about that. Like why wouldn't Jesus still be here? Wouldn't it be more helpful for our witness if we could point to the resurrected Jesus? Uh, and in some ways, you know, we've been waiting for that return now for 2,000 years. And so uh, there might be some longevity in that stretch that we just have a hard time really pinpointing the importance of this because of those dynamics being at play along with him leaving this realm to ascend to the throne. That's helpful. Thank you, Ian. What do you think, Winston? Yeah, um, well said, Ian. I, I think there is that strangeness to it, right? And uh, coupled with the strangeness is the fact that um, there is not a, there are not a whole lot of descriptions in the Bible about the ascension. There are enough. Um, there are at least two scriptures, I think, which we'll talk about that that describe the scene of when Jesus ascends, as you were talking about on this cloud. Um, but because there's not a whole lot of um, of scripture on it, um, sometimes I think it 
it gets to the point where people are are wondering what do you do with it right yes. what do you do with it but as well i think also that some some in the christian um church have looked at it as more metaphorical necessarily um than physical you know the, the where jesus talks about i'm going back to my father he says this at at after his resurrection i'm going back to my father um and i think some people view that as more metaphorical whereas um what i think we see in scripture as ian was mentioning is jesus physically bodily leaving where we are and moving to another plane and i actually believe that that offers a lot of hope for us um but we do skip over that event many times and just talk about the hope of his return <laughs> yeah. bodily and um i think maybe it's due to the fact that we don't have a lot to work with um outside of you know a, a couple texts even though there's a lot of attestation from the apostles in um epistles um in the letters where they're talking about what it means because he's ascended where christ is now in his mediatorial work i think we're also unclear just on the meaning so we have uh you know the advent is god with us uh good friday is it is finished yeah um easter is christ is risen and the ascension is we don't know you know we don't, we don't we're not we're, we don't have that bottom line way of viewing it you know, I, so I think it gets lost. I wonder, John, though, if if maybe it is God is with us because the Holy Spirit would not come unless he ascended is one of the things he said. And so now we have Christ with us, God with us in a different way, not physically. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe you can you can throw that in there and that will be part of the Christian parlance from now on. There you go. <laughs> it's universally accepted. Winston said it. Well, it's interesting, you know, as we actually look at the texts that describe the ascension, um, you know, uh, Matthew alludes to it a little bit with saying all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Mark does not. Um, and I, I do not believe it's in the book of John, but, but Luke mentions it twice. Luke mentions it at the end of his gospel, but also at the beginning of Acts, which he wrote as well. And what's interesting is after the disciples watch Jesus ascend to glory, um, it says that they, let me just read it. Luke 24, 50 says, Then he led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was carried up into heaven. After worshiping him, they returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they were continually in the temple praising God. A little bit of irony, Jesus just left, why are they joyful? We'll, we'll get to that. But then in Acts 1, verse 9, after he said this, he was taken up as they were watching, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, they were gazing into heaven, and suddenly two men in white clothes stood by them. They said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come in the same way that you have seen him go into heaven. Uh, so these are the places where the Bible literally talks about the event of the ascension. And one of the interesting things is even the first Christian sermon in Acts 2, um, it is one of the most clear places on the ascension. It's really almost a sermon about the ascension of Christ. In Acts 2, 
Peter preaches and he says, God has raised this Jesus and we are all witnesses of this. Therefore, since he has been exalted to the right hand of God and has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, he has poured out what you both see and hear. That's exactly what Winston was saying. The ascension is the step before Jesus sends the Holy Spirit. Verse 34, it says, For it was not David who ascended into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord declared to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. And so, um, as Winston said, there are enough places where we can say, oh, this is something important that we need to grasp as um, fully formed followers of Jesus. If we don't have the ascension in our minds and hearts, we're missing something. You know, we had talked, we had talked about the, how does the Bible talk about the implications of the ascension? Just trying to help our people connect. This matters for you in your daily Christian walk, because here's what's connected to the ascension. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. One of the places uh, we're actually preaching through the Apostles Creed right now in my church, and we're getting ready to get to the Ascension. And the text I think I'm going to work out of is uh, Ephesians chapter one. And in the second half of that chapter, um, kind of picking it up midstream, but he's talking about the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe. And then in verse 20, he says that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. But then he emphasizes a few things. He says, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And so the ascension of Jesus really does point to him being king and not just king over Israel, not just even king over God's people in the church, uh, but really king, he goes out of his way over every realm. Right, Philippians two says that at the knee of Jesus, every at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, heaven on earth and under the earth, every realm. Jesus is king over it. He is ruling and reigning, uh, which practically is good news for us because it doesn't sometimes feel that way if we're honest. I mean, right now we're. I mean, this is craziness right now happening all around the world, and sometimes we might think, man, where what's going on with Jesus? Right? Why why isn't he here? Why isn't he interceding more? It feels like he's distant. And the scriptures don't let us go too far down that path because his ascension means he truly is exalted as the king of all kings. So there's a, there's a scope in which that's important for all of creation. But he continues in that chapter to then emphasize the importance for us in the church. And it says, and he put all things under his feet and gave him as the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And so we have this cosmic reality that he's king over everything, but then we also have this personal reality that he's the head of the body. I mean, a body is a very intimate thing. And so Jesus, as our ascended king, is also the ascended head of the body. We are knitted and joined together with him, even to the point where in Ephesians 2, Paul goes as far as to say that by grace you've been saved, and then in verse 6, he's raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, of course, I have not been risen up on a cloud yet to join Jesus in heaven, but he's saying spiritually, we have been raised to the same place that Jesus is. We're united with him. And that gives us all sorts of confidence and all sorts of just comfort for me in the Christian life. That as Winston said, it it feels ironic that the ascension is God is with you because God's leaving us in some ways, but he's with us in a far more powerful way through the giving of the spirit. And I'm sure Winston can, can pick up some of that as well. One thing I want to add to that, uh, you know, it's 
oftentimes you don't remember one particular sermon. You're just shaped by the preaching of the word over years and years and years. But I remember one particular sermon I heard. It has to be over 15 years ago. And it was simply because uh, in Ephesians 1, the person was preaching and talked about all these things that had uh, the glory that Jesus had and being at the right hand of God. And he said, subjected everything under his feet and appointed him as the head over everything. And then he stopped right there and he said, what do you think, what do you think is next? And what would you think? Well, he's, Jesus is appointed over everything for his glory, which is true, or like for his dominion, which is true, but it doesn't say that. It says for the church or to the church. And you put it so beautifully, like this cosmic power that Jesus has is for the benefit of his people. That's just amazing that our king has sight on us as he rules and reigns uh, from heaven. So that's, that's wonderful. We hope you're inspired by God's word. What have you learned so far? As you listen, pray about applying it to your life. Let's continue in God's word. Winston, what do you think? I, man, I, um, it's so beautiful to know that Jesus came and ascended and it was all for us. I mean, it, it really is, is for us. Yes, he has dominion over the entire earth, but as you just said, John, it's really for us. And I mean, Ephesians 4, I'm sure you'll, sure you'll end up there at some point, um, Ian, in your preaching, Grace, Ephesians 4, 7 to 11, grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captive and he gave gifts to men. And that probably had a different meaning to the Old Testament folks who, um, who read it prior to that. But here, Paul is saying, and saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth, which is his humiliation, he who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And again, that sounds like, man, that sounds lofty. That sounds high. That sounds like, yes, God is glorified. He's filling all the earth, right? Filling all things, filling ab above the heavens. But then it says he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers. Why? to equip the saints for the work of ministry, the things that he has called us to do, the things that he has equipped us to do. Why? For building up the body of Christ. He's worried about, he's concerned with, not worried about, but concerned with healing his own body, building up his own body, seeing his own body edified. So his ascension is essentially for that. Um, but one thing, even before Ephesians that you mentioned uh, from Peter's message in Acts, where in this first message, he's talking about the fact that Jesus ascended. I just thought that, you know, I'm sure people who watched Jesus crucified and then watched him put in the tomb, they're saying, hey, he's resurrected. And they're like, well, where is he? Right? <laughs> so, Obvious question. so, all right, if you say so, but where is he? And I think that's where the doctrine of, of the ascension becomes very, very important very early on right? Um, Paul ends up attesting to it later on in, in 1 Corinthians 15, where he talks about the fact that so many people saw him prior to his ascension. Um, but I, I think um, uh, one of the things that really captures me about the ascension, the, the implications 
Um, Ian mentioned, again, the fact that he is head over all things over the church now. But this idea, again, about him being with us, in, in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, it starts off by saying, um, there is therefore, or therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I think, you know, most of us know and love this, this, this beloved chapter um, where it really helps us to understand about what God has done for us in Christ Jesus and how through God's spirit, all of that is being made effectual for us. And then later on, the whole idea of the condemnation is revisited where Paul says, what then shall we say to these things, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, and he doesn't stop there. He says, more than that, more than that, who was raised, and then he doesn't stop there. He says, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us? Then he says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? So whatever suffering you're going through right now, whatever uh, uh, challenges that you might have in your life, even if it is, does Jesus still love me because of what I've done? Um, even if it is, you know, uh, questions regarding your salvation, he says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ because of the fact that Christ ascended and he is now at the right hand of God interceding for us? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword or COVID-19? Um, no, none of these things um, will be able to separate us from the love of God and also in all of these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. Amen. I think that's all related to the fact that not only did Jesus come and die and was raised from the dead, but because he ascended and he's seated at the right hand of God and he's interceding for us, it becomes something very, very practical in our daily lives. He didn't have to list all of those things, and those, but those are all things that we we deal with on a daily basis. And we know that uh, because of his ascension, he is with us in those ways. Yeah, Ian, can, you, there, John? can you talk about that word intercession, interceding? What does that mean? Yeah, was that to me, John? Sorry. Yeah, yeah I, what I was going to say, I think, I don't know if this analogy makes sense, but we'll go with it. Um, the thing is that kind of is the glue to me that holds everything that we're saying together is the Holy Spirit. And mm -hmm. so, you know, I think in so many ways, if we were offered right now, hey, would you like to sit right next to Jesus? Like he's right there in the flesh, or would you rather have the indwelling Holy Spirit? I'd be pretty tempted to say, well, Jesus being right next to me in the flesh would be pretty awesome. But this is the exact conversation he has with his disciples in John 16. Yeah. He, tells them, he says, listen, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away, speaking about his ascension. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And that helper is in that passage that Winston just talked about in Romans 8 to get to the intercession, the answer to your intercession question. That helper is sent by the ascended Jesus, right, into 
our hearts, our souls. He indwells within us. And Romans tells us that the spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And so now we have this unbreakable connection with God himself because we've been given the Holy Spirit. He dwells within us. He bears witness that we really are children of God, which means we have access. We have the ear of the king of all kings, who is also the head of the body, who is conforming us more and more into the image of Christ. And so I love what Hebrews says. I forget which chapter, but it says that he lives to make intercession. So Jesus, because of his finished work, because he is this high priest in the heavenly eternal sense, and he just bears witness to, hey, I have accomplished this for them, and now I can help you when you're struggling. I want to hear what's going on in your life. Even though I've ascended to heaven, you have my ear. Tell me what's going on. Pray to me. Uh, trust me. Rely on me. All of that is the intercessory work of Christ. Amen. You actually went where I was thinking. Uh, Hebrews seven twenty four through 25, because he remains forever. He remains forever at the right hand of God. He holds his priesthood permanently. A priest is a representative. You do not represent yourself before God. Jesus does. And that should give you complete freedom. And the fact that he's up there representing you after he's perfected his work down here means you can't mess it up. You know, there's nothing that you can do to mess up Jesus representing you. And that should be encouraging. But then uh, the writer says, therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him, since he always lives to intercede for them. And I, I love that too, Ian, like he lives to intercede. He doesn't just intercede, he lives to intercede. It kind of occurred to me, that in one sense, you know, Jesus, since he ascended, has been having a 2,000 year long prayer service for us. Mm-hmm. And he's not interested in quitting anytime soon. Winston, yeah. I knew you grew up Pentecostal. You guys can right. pray all night. But right. then we're talking about, you were talking about 2,000 years of straight prayer for his people interceding. And I'm encouraged by that. When I can't pray or I'm out of prayers, I'm like, man, Jesus is praying for me. He's praying for his church. And I often find I'm, find I'm inspired to pray more knowing that he's praying uh, for me. Yeah, you think about the fact that this is, that's part of the gospel. You know, it, it's part of the gospel to know that Christ has not only done for us what we could not do for ourselves while he was here on earth, he continues to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. He ever leads, lives to intercede for us. Um, his everlasting life, one of the things that he is doing is interceding for us. And so, you know, it really becomes part of that gospel that oftentimes we spend a lot of time, I think, in the church talking about the fact that Christ came, right? And Christ died and Christ was raised from the dead. And I think part of the gospel is, and part of the hope of the gospel, assurance of our salvation is not just in the past work, but it's in the present work of Christ on our behalf. Amen. I can't also help but thinking, you know, how much of the visions and mission of our own churches has to do with the ascension. So, you know, we tend to say Jesus is king. Ian, your church is called the King's Church without realizing how much of that that has to literally do with the ascension and his coronation. Winston, you guys are calling it Grace Life Church. Right. Hebrews uh, we talk about the throne of grace yes. that, that we can go to in our time of need and receive mercy. And I think for us, we talk about joyfully gathering to worship King Jesus. He will be the king of the new city. 
And that's not something that, um, you know, we're like, he's my king. No, he is the king. Part of us, uh, you know, part of our faith is recognizing that this is a public event. Um, it's not just that Jesus is our king, as, as Ian said. It's he's the king. There is a king, and it's not you, and he's coming back to make all things new and repent and believe the gospel and be part of the renewal of all things. So I can't help but think how much even the ascension is really packed up into the names and vision and mission of our church. One um, of all of our churches, one last question for you all. Um, how, how would you encourage people during this season with the ascension? Um, how would you point people to look to the ascended Jesus for encouragement right now during this season? Yeah, I heard uh, Russell Moore say, you know, it's the ascension is good news because although the tomb is empty, the throne is not. Mm. And man, that if we need to hear anything right now, it's it's that right that that Jesus he he is ruling and reigning on the throne. And that's that's good news for us. That's good news for our world. And as you're hinting at, that also gives us uh, marching orders, right? If we're citizens in the kingdom of Jesus, the king, uh, that means that we are in service to him. And it's interesting, in every place that we mentioned where the ascension is explicitly spelled out, there's a commissioning attached to it. Hmm. And that commissioning is, hey, Jesus really is king. That's where we get the name of our church from. It comes from Acts 17. There's this, there's this uh, they go to Thessalonica, and there's this sort of, rumor that's spreading about this early church and these apostles it says these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also because they're proclaiming there's another king jesus and so he really is on the throne and we get to live as if that's true yeah i think um yeah we get to live as if that's true and i and i, I think for today um when we think about it, we always want to be delicate, I think, with the fact that Jesus said that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, then I'm going to come and bring you to that place as well. What we see is a bodily Jesus leaving this physical place and going to another physical place. That really gives us hope for, you know, Paul ends up talking about in, in Thessalonians, that gives us hope for our own physical bodies, right? The fact that Jesus was raised means that we will be raised. The fact that Jesus was ascended means that we will go to be with him. And what does that give us hope for today? Well, quite frankly, we're having to deal with, um, with death in a way that, you know, we probably haven't had to in this country in a long time where the, the, the health um, conditions and this pandemic uh, makes death a real possibility to where people have to really, you know, we all have to take care of how we are treating ourselves and treating one another. And I think there is always this hope though, that for the Christian, that life is not over when this physical life is over, right? And it's not just that we're ending up somewhere and we're, you know, just uh, uh, spirits floating about somewhere, right? Uh, to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord also does not necessarily just mean um, that we're just spirits floating somewhere. Um, the fact that Jesus ascended in his physical body and went to prepare a place for us, I think gives us hope that even if in this life there is 
tribulations, there's trials, there are troubles, there is even death. Um, we do have a hope, not just for our spirit, but we do have an eternal hope for our body. We do have an eternal hope for what God is going to do next with us. The life of a Christian is victorious, not just because we ex experience complete victory down here all the time. It's because our king is on the throne and because he's also preparing a place for us. And we will worship around that throne for eternity. How incredible is it that we are greeted and ushered into heaven by a human being? We'll be greeted with a human hand, a human hug when we get there. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. One author put it, uh, you know, our man in heaven, you know, if you go to a, if you have a, a problem, you say, I, I got a guy, I got a guy that can fix that. And, you know, it's not just a guy, it's a God man. Jesus is the God man, but we have a guy in heaven who loves us and represents us. And one day um, he will return and the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. And he will reign forever and ever as John puts it in Revelation 11. And that's just so comforting to me to go, no matter how bad it gets, one day Christ's reign will not be hidden, will not have to struggle with faith. We will see it. It will be unavoidable. Uh, every inch of creation will scream King Jesus. Yeah. And I long for that day. That gives me hope to, to, to continue forward in the midst of a really dark and broken time. Winston and Ian, thank you guys so much for joining. I, I'm encouraged by being on with you and just hearing your perspective on this. And I know our people will be encouraged. Um, thank you for joining us. I wanna pray for us and, and then we're gonna close uh, our worship service out. Lord, thank you uh, for Winston and Ian. I pray that you would bless these brothers and their families. I pray that you would give them perseverance and sustain them during this troubling, challenging time. Uh, give Ian wisdom about leading King's Church and what's next for them. Give Winston uh, wisdom as they continue to renovate a home and, and think about what's next for Grace Life Church Plant. Lord, be with our people. Might they be encouraged by the ascension. Uh, as the song we're about to sing says, behold our God seated on his throne. Come let us adore him. Behold our King, nothing can compare. Come let us adore him. Lord, might the ascension infiltrate our thinking and our affections. Might we long to see you face to face and rest in the fact that you are the God-man, the king of the universe in heaven, interceding on our behalf. We worship you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Winston and Ian, thank you guys so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks, John. We love you at New City Fellowship. Praying for you guys. Amen. Thank you for listening to New City Sermon Podcast. For more information, check us out at www.newcityhh.com. We'll see you next week.